trailer dropped this week? Yeah, um, I haven't seen the original trailer, but I did see one set to the music from Cats, the Cats trailer. <laughs> and it fits, like, perfectly. See, I did watch the Mandalorian trailer, and it was like... Eh. like yeah, um... I mean, it's fine. It, the, it's, very, the, high, the quality I, I, is like... I feel like it's going to be... There's such, the production value is so great. Um, beautiful gowns as uh, the iconic uh, Aretha Franklin. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel that The Mandalorian is going to be about as good as Solo was, where it's like, yeah, that's a movie. Yeah. I, like, I, is it a movie or a series? I think it's a limited series, isn't it? The Mandalorian? Yeah, because it's coming to Disney+. Plus. It's like oh, a Disney Plus series. It, I'm it's pretty a sure. show. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was a movie. But mo- isn't it like, uh, our beloved director who's doing it, um, uh, Thor Ragnarok? I don't think Taika it's Taika. Taika. I do no. not think. Isn't he involved no. in it? I think he is somehow, but I don't know. I think. Oh shit! We should have googled this before. Yeah, we, we should have. Yeah. <laughs> but like uh, that would be news to me if Taika Waititi was evolved like at all. Was, maybe I'm confusing it with something else. Let's see. We can check it out because you know what? There's a whole damn computer in all of our hands <laughs> at all at times. All times. <laughs> okay, so there's multiple directors I'm showing here, um, but I'm not seeing Taika on what, there. What am I confusing it with? What TV show is he doing? I mean, He's I'm, doing a TV version of what we do in the shadows I know, currently. Which I saw, which is really Oh, which well, really right, as soon as I type in Taika, the first thing that comes up is... Uh, oh, there we are. He's a droid. IG-11. Oh, he performs in it. So okay. he's yeah. in it. He's, he's in a it. voice, yeah. Okay. Which is, oh my God. Oh my God. Have you seen any recent pictures of him? Oh my like, God. Oh. I'm he's sorry. We're beautiful. Just, we're, we're just going to turn into like a thirst podcast. Like, <laughs> like, like, like the rest of this podcast is just us talking about our love for Taiko Atiti. <laughs> And that would be fun. Because there's like a picture of like him. All forms of love, right? Respectful love. There's like a picture of him, um, Paul Bettany and uh, John, or Jeff Goldblum together. And it's just like, oh, my dads. I just (laughs) said, my dads. (laughs) Well, I did leave the movie last night saying, I have a new screen crush. It's Aquafina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do love Aquafina. Yeah, this was such a great performance. Um, and the movie that we're talking about today is The Farewell. Um, and it's a little bit of a farewell for us, too. More like a see you later. More like we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back. We're going to be taking a little break here coming up. Uh, so this will be either the second to last or last episode that we released. Uh, we did record one very special episode. So... Um, I'm not sure how that will get planned out in our release schedule, but we may have one extra episode for you before we go to break. Um, but yeah, we'll be taking a break here from uh, September until about November. Uh, and that's so that we can get some cool new spanking fresh content for you. Um, and that's going to be a lot of stuff. We're going to have some awesome Star Wars stuff coming up because that's happening like in we this holiday season. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's impossible yeah. to avoid. Uh, yeah, I mean, anyone that's listened to us know that we cover a wide range of movies, everything from like obscure foreign films to blockbuster hits like Hobbs and Shaw um, to, yeah, again, like what The Handmaiden, Tale of Two Sisters, all of these yeah. like very yeah. obscure, maybe not so much obscure, but not very well known in America. Or we do like French movies that are really hard to get a hold of. Oh yeah, The Brotherhood of the, <laughs> the Wolf. Brotherhood that of the was Wolf. fun. Oh God. I and think was, was Les great. on that episode too? Was that no was, Brother of the Wolf? Like mm-hmm. that was like in the middle. No, was Lance on that episode? Oh, Lance. No, Lance watched that with us, but he did not stick okay, around that's for the recording. Right, that's right. Yeah. Is that the one that's in France and it's kind of semi-post-apocalyptic and they're like walking? No, no. it's like Revolutionary War period. Type oh, I'm France. not thinking <laughs> of the right. <laughs> Tri-cornered hats and like. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, so yeah, we'll be, again, coming up with some great content for you. We've got a Patreon, but there's nothing on it right now, so we'd love to get some <laughs> stuff on there for you guys. So <laughs> We're going to be working on that during the break, yeah, too. So, so we can like give you something to like maybe pay us for, because that would also be really awesome. Um, so yeah, if you like this podcast, then stay tuned. While we're away, you know, we'll still be on social media and things like that. 
We've got like 106 other episodes in our bank. So if you're a new listener, go back and check out some of that stuff. Uh, if you've been with us since the beginning, uh, probably just Caroline. Hi, Caroline. <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, I mean, just maybe hit us up on social media and see what we're up to. And we'll probably be just doing little random bits in here and there on, online. So, yeah, keep an eye out for us because we definitely are not going away for too long. So with that uh, farewell, let's get back to the farewell and <laughs> talk about Aquafina. <laughs> and my respectful and lustful love for Aquafina. <laughs> I went into this movie expecting to like just be bawling for this to be like so sad and like absolute tearjerker thing, and like I barely cried once at the end. <laughs> I love that's the review. I barely cried. I still loved this movie. No, I I loved this movie. But like I was expecting this to just be like the entire time. And it it, it really wasn't. Well, so we'll split this one up into spoilers, non-spoilers. Although there's really only one kind of spoiler in it. Which Uh, you know from the trailer and the first ten minutes. Yeah. And so... Well, and the rest of the movie, there's, there's not a whole a spoiler. Well, yeah, I mean, and throughout the rest of the movie, there aren't like a whole lot of like big events. There's not like any like huge like blow up yes. movie. It's about this, yeah. It's this movie that's about um, this young woman, Billy, and her relationship with her grandmother, Nai Nai, who it turns out uh, has like stage four. Is stage four? Stage three? Stage yeah, four. Stage like four lung cancer. cancer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, um, essentially, in China, um, you don't necessarily have to tell that person, or the doctors don't even have to tell that person. But that's, so, this is like a, a the tradition. Is yeah, like the, yeah. You don't tell them because you don't want them to be worried about it. They want them to like live out their life and yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, the doctors tell the family, but not nine eye. And so, the premise of the movie is everyone's coming to kind of give one last send off, one good last goodbye to nine eye. Um, and without, under the guise and the premise of... Of, like, yeah, a wedding. Of Billy's, yeah, cousin um, getting married. And so the family all comes to China from their different places. Um, Billy and her family live in New York. Um, Her cousin is living in Japan uh, with her uncle. Uh, And so they're all coming back to China to have one last moment to share with Nai Nai before she goes uh and so yeah i think this is a really good um and when i say there's not a whole lot that happens in terms of like there's not like really there's big, not a like, whole lot of plot yeah there's not a whole lot of like family drama it's really just about like these moments and like what you to what you were saying as far as um not necessarily like bawling at the end i think this movie does a lot to kind of establish um death is kind of like just something that happens it's like one of those things where it's like celebrating the life is more of the point of um they're getting together than to really just like mourn her passing it's kind of like one last time for everyone to be together and like celebrate with each other yeah even if the celebration is completely like falsified and the film even (laughs) says like this isn't really spoilers because it's in the trailer so if you've seen the trailer but like they say there's a line about like in like the east like a person's life isn't like their own. Like a person's life is a part of the whole. Yeah. And, and like in the West, a person's life is their own. And like that's the difference between East and West. And so it's really beautiful sentiment and cool moment in the film. Yeah. And I think the movie does a really great job of kind of putting that, the, the burden of explaining the East versus West on Billy, the main character who lived in China until she was six and then moved to, I assume it's Queens, um, based on the external shots they had of her, <laughs> her parents' house. Um, but I think the, and it does a really nice job of, she's trapped in this in-between space, right? Between the Eastern tradition of not telling a family member, especially an elderly one, that they're dying, versus what we in the West would call like medical paternalism, right? You have to tell, like it's actually part of, the doctor has to tell you um, your your uh, medical status. And so she, her tension, and the reason they don't want to bring her at all is because she's going to give the game away. She's going to tell grandma. Um, yeah, she can't. She can't hide her, her emotions, emotions. Right, yeah, is what her mother says. Yes, and she'll either come out and tell her, or just be so miserable and crying the whole time that uh, she'll give the game away. And so we see that tension play out in Billy's character. 
Um, it's also, I think it's, it starts off with uh, the title card based on an actual lie. Yeah. And I love that because it, at the heart of this film is like, what is a good lie? Like, is there such a thing as a good lie? And a, it being an, like not a true story, but an actual lie. Yeah. But it is like a deeply personal film. Like yes. it's made by Lulu Wang and like Lulu Wang actually went through this exact experience and like had a very difficult time getting this movie made because like she went to like people in the West to make this movie and they're like, well, we're uncomfortable with it being an all Asian cast. Like you have to put some white people in it. And then she tried to get it made in China and China oddly said the same thing. China was like, yeah, no, you need to put some white people in it. And like it's eventually she went to a 24. God, we love you. A 24 <laughs> and got this movie made with like an all Asian cast and like the actual story of her, what happened to her. Yeah. yeah. But she had to release it as a, uh, What's that one that I don't listen to? The podcast. Come on. Uh, this American Life oh, special okay. that she did it as yes. more of a journalistic it, Like First piece. it had to be a yeah. story on This American Life and that's what gained the traction to get it made into a film. Exactly. Because it was too American for Chinese audiences, too Asian American for Chinese audiences, and too Chinese and Asian American for American audiences. That's what they were saying. And yes, now that it's exactly, this yeah. big hit, similar to Crazy Rich Asians, similar to Black Panther, similar yeah. to all these movies in the last year or so that are um, perhaps breaking down... <laughs> All the all the uh, execs who listen to our podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, because there are so many Hollywood executives who listen to our podcast. Well, I mean, it's think. it's almost like you're saying that it doesn't matter. Like, as, if the story is good, then people will go and see the movie. It's, yeah, or, or wait, just, wait, or wait, just wait, that, wait, like, wait, people, wait, this or is that, like, translating to me because I mean. Or like if the story doesn't matter, there has to be white people. Or, I mean, or, or or if there's like you know like universally relatable concepts that like you know anyone can understand well, and relate to the universally movie. relatable. You meaning by there's white people, right? Yeah, I mean that's filtered through. White I people. thought that was obvious. Like, yeah, it's, it's about straight white men. Like that's that's what's universal, right? It's the experience of straight white men. I mean, you know, in my, in my upbringing. Okay, moving on. But yeah, okay, no, so, so speaking of so like lies. Lo- and speaking of moments. I wanted to go moments, but go okay. with lies. Go with we'll lies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this movie is, again, there's all of these lies that happen throughout the movie. Like one of the first moments that we have with Billy yes. on the phone with Nai Nai is like they're talking to each other. Nai Nai is at the hospital. Billy's like walking around, I think like on the street or something like that. And, um, you know, Billy's like, well, where are you? And she's like, oh, no, I'm just at home. Or like, I'm oh. at my auntie, but you're. You know, I'm your aunt's yeah, house. Yeah. You're like, yeah, no, you're clearly in a hospital. Yeah. You can hear the overhead. You can hear audio. the announcements. <laughs> and then it's like, as like Billy's like walking down the street, like, you know, some like Greenpeace person's like walking up to her and she's like, Nine Eyes, like, well, who are you with? And she's like, oh, you know, just a friend, you know, just like hanging out. Uh, and then there's like, you know, Billy's. Uh, like fellowship, which is like one thing where she's applied for this fellowship. Good where night. pretty early on in the movie, we find out that she doesn't in, get in it. like the first scene. Yeah, yeah. and so um, and throughout the movie, like she's not telling anyone that she didn't get this, and mm-hmm. so it's all of these little lies that are happening all over the place uh, as a way to again kind of soften these blows mm-hmm. to the people that that we, they're trying that we to love protect. and yeah. protect. Right, the white lie of. No, I'm not at the hospital, or no, I'm just talking to a friend, not a stranger on the street, or whatever. No, I haven't heard about the fellowship yet. Yeah, Yeah. I haven't heard yet, right? Versus the the big lie at the center of the film. Yeah. But you're saying moments. Oh yeah, moments. I was actually that. Thank you, Craig, for bringing up that because that was my. I'm like, oh, they're even starting the movie so smart with those two small little white lies to one another, and the lies that you tell people that you love as part of loving them. But moments. So going back to uh, this being a story that I think people can relate to, regardless of how they themselves uh, identify, is to me there's so many teeny tiny little moments in here that spoke to family and family structure so many that that yeah. were so relatable and even if you haven't had that exact experience you've had something really really close to it right so i didn't know if if you i felt that way did you all feel that oh, way yeah, oh yeah oh for sure yeah. like and like most people have had a grandmother and so they <laughs> they can relate to this film in like such a deep way they're like oh yeah like i love my grandma i yeah. love it when the grandma comes over she just I love to touch your butt when you were little. I love to touch it. <laughs> um, the moment when the uh, daughter and mom, when they're still in Queen, she's come over to do her laundry. And uh, I don't remember that. I have it written down somewhere. But the exchange is like, Mom, if you're going to keep ragging on me every time I come home, I'm, I'm not, not going to come, come home. home yeah. Right? Like, who hasn't had that family moment before? <laughs> 
Um, the moment when, uh, this is not a spoiler, but they're rushing to get somewhere and they're, they all have their umbrellas and they're not sure if they should go down to the train station or go up. Oh, yes, and that's the, the one part of the movie where there's no subtitles. Yes. But they're, they're still speaking in Mandarin, but they don't translate it to like amplify the feeling of confusion that like you're getting from the scene. Yes. It, the dad brilliant. thinks we should go that way and the uncle thinks we should go this way. <laughs> and meanwhile, Aquafina's umbrella is flipping upside down. Right, It's just that kind of family chaos in a, in a hurried moment. Yeah. So I don't know if you had other moments for for you all that really stood out as like, oh, yeah, that feels familiar. There was like the, I mean, this is getting into why I cried at the end, but when the grandma is like getting Billy in the yard and they're like doing the, yeah, yeah, like, yes, like the, the yelling kind things, of tai chi the, the kind of Tai Chi-esque yes. things. Like that, I don't know, there was something very grandmotherly to me about that about like oh come on you gotta express yourself you gotta get out you gotta like it it was this really cool moment but when it comes back at the end is the part that like i did like end up crying at but i don't know i just this whole movie is such a character study and such a relationship study and it's it's tough to talk about without getting into spoilers <laughs> <laughs> well i think one thing that um i also noticed and liked a lot was how they portrayed these um like these feelings of what home is where home is uh and using that in a way um with the like patriotism that like nine eyes specifically feels toward china uh and again juxtaposing that with billy and how she views like not only this place where she doesn't have like a whole lot of experience going to uh and a lot of like sense of in a sense of um, not like necessarily abandonment but this kind of like gap as far as mm-hmm. you know when she gets into um, you know her grandfather and like when he passed and how they did pretty much the same thing with him and how she like just was like oh and then we like started coming back to China and he just wasn't there like and no one went away. yeah no one like told me that like leading up to this like we all like everyone but me and him knew that he was sick and no one said anything to me and so every time we would come back here like it was just like one day he was gone and then like every time we came back things were just a little bit different and a little bit more different Mm -hmm. um and they do a really really good job of showing that too in terms of um like all of the new buildings that are going up um all like like illustrating that moment where um they're talking about um they like pass these two arches and billy's like this looks really familiar like i feel like i know this place and they're like oh yeah that's like where grandma's house is or used to be that yeah where the house was and like that whole neighborhood has changed yeah, yeah. And, and so that's something that um again you know gentrification is something that is like happening the world over and something mm-hmm. that's happening you know at the local level and the global level and so we get to see uh, again within this movie how that change affects this very directly to this character in a really cool and interesting way yeah yeah, yeah. in relation to like memory and home memory and home and can home be multiple places what happens when the you know this intergenerational story of the grandmother staying in China but then her two sons one goes to America one goes to Japan right so she has these cousins that she very rarely sees that they don't and, even and also share they, a shared language necessarily. yeah they also say that they haven't like the whole family hasn't been together in 25 years yeah, yeah. And so what is family? How is that constantly negotiated, renegotiated? Where is home? Is it a place? Is it a memory? Ah, it's really, really handled thoughtfully. And it doesn't come up with clear answers. Going back to um, what you are saying, Colin, about not crying, because again, I was <clears throat> a little bit worried that I might be like bawling my way through this movie um, <laughs> based on the setup. But that's because I assumed it was going to be a melodrama, right? Yeah, this absolutely. Was a drama, yeah. Right? This fell, it, it did not fall into any of the tropes of melodrama. It did not have this return to innocence. It didn't have all these qualities. Instead, it really just played out, as you're saying, Craig, it's this really kind of thoughtful, kind of questioning of home, multi generational, cross cultural um, aspects. You know, what does it mean that the um, new bride is Japanese and doesn't speak English? A word uh, of uh, Mandarin. I love that. (laughs) My God, the 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 the, the, the couple that was getting married, like her cousin and (laughs) his bride, who only speaks Japanese. Uh, How How and Aiko were probably my favorite thing in this movie. Like they were the the comedic relief. So much awkward. beautifulness out of them. <laughs> so the setup is that they've only been dating for three months. For three and months. They're pretending to get married for grandma. And so 
the poor uh, oh, I'm sorry what was her name Aiko Aiko yeah. poor Aiko doesn't speak the language doesn't speak Mandarin she doesn't can't doesn't understand all these complex family relations that are going on in a way she's our way into the movie yeah. at some, at some yeah, point she's absolutely. like wait what are we fighting just like about the silent audience <laughs> yes. just like, standing uh, there and like yes. yeah. the, <laughs> the posing for their wedding posing for the wedding photos oh, yeah. this again is in the this again is in the trailer so this isn't spoilers but the grandma's like no get together like hug like put your head on his shoulder and then she says it's some point like what are they gonna do in the bedroom when i'm not here <laughs> <laughs> and then that scene that whole sequence is played so beautifully because in the foreground you have billy and her grandmother kind of working hashing out issues in the background of the shots you have the couple like first they're, they're in this like um, like pipe cleaner type heart, pink heart that they're yes. building in. The next time they're in this like rainforest, and then they're in again all these kind of very Chinese type wedding photos, and you can see. Um, uh, what's her name again? Shoot, I just forgot it. Aiko. Aiko. Thank you. I'm going to write this down. Yeah, you can see Aiko uh, just being like, wait, we're doing what now? Right? What, what do you mean I have, to, I have to pose like this this time? <laughs> and so you get these, like, a very serious scene happening in the foreground and a very playful scene happening in the background. Really well done. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first PG movie ever made by A24. Oh. It's just oh. one of those weird little trivia facts of like Interesting. I think like everything else they've done is like R yeah, because probably. they always do like these kind of really hard stuff. But like this movie is so tame and but I mean it's really beautiful in a lot of ways, but it was like, oh wow, this that makes sense. This is the first <laughs> PG movie that A24 has ever released. And it's all about death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and lying. I, I guess death and lying aren't R-rated. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Did anyone else see like the Little Women trailer before this? Yes. <laughs> I totally thought that that like that definitely looked like an A24 presents Little Women. But yes. I didn't it's, see it's, a Little Women Sony. trailer. I did see a Harriet Tubman trailer. Oh, oh yeah. 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 All the white people are yeah. going to awards for that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Little Women, that was something that I read a lot. I read with my mom as a kid, so I've seen all the movies. And like during the trailer, I could say some of the lines along with it. And Jim's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is one of these things. <laughs> it's going to get remade again and again. But I think actually um, The Farewell, I hope continues to live because I think it we talked about maybe having a reoccurring like how will this movie age in 20 years right I think that this will is a movie that will still be relevant and thoughtful and meaningful in 20 years in oh yeah 40 years I can see that I definitely think so yeah all right well on that note we're gonna take a little break here and then come back and finish out the rest of the movie because we want to get spoilers. Into spoilers. with spoilers this time. <laughs> And we're back. Back again. <laughs> Still talking about the farewell. Back with the farewell. You know, it's just so hard oh, to say like, goodbye to, to yesterday. To get into like the... <laughs> oh, no. it's so hard. <laughs> to get into like the one major spoiler, like part of what undercut the movie for me like at the end and why I didn't really ball was like, Nightlight didn't die. Yeah, I don't think that undercut it for me, to be honest. <laughs> like, and also because that's how it actually happened. Yeah, I so, mean... So, <laughs> I think that... The, well, I, I get that, like, it's the true story. It's, it's actually true that Nine I lived for, like, six more years. And she's still alive. She's still alive. Yeah, she's yeah. still alive as of now. Ago, yeah. um, but, like, the movie's all about death. Like, the whole thing centers around death and, like, dealing with death and not talking about death and all this. But then, like, the person who's quote-unquote dying like doesn't die but then i no, i think that that actually makes the point even more so yeah I, I agree like one of the first things that they say is you know like oh yeah you know when you get cancer you die and so that's why you know they don't tell them is because like instead of like just living out the rest of their days as you know just fully as possible they just start focusing on having cancer and being Fear ready to die and yeah sickness yeah. and so i think that that illustrates that point really well of like yeah she just like instead of like focusing on like just being sick and like being like sad and maybe just like staying in bed like the entire time and you know like who knows yep. what could have happened <laughs> like but like i think that her living actually illustrates it's like, that point we never told her and then she lived yeah like, up until still now yeah like, she's still alive she never <laughs> knew she had cancer so yeah it's one of those things where it's like yeah that would have been just like Imagine just like going through all that and then just like resigning yourself to die. I think there's a like the other thing you said because you know what's that whole thing with like the broken heart where it's like 
a lot of times partners like when one dies of like natural mm-hmm. causes the other the other, the one other person dies. will die within like uh, like a, a year, year. Yeah. usually yeah. so like something like that where it's like yeah once you've resigned yourself and like given up on life then like sometimes your body will just react accordingly and just be like well fine Mm-hmm. Like nine, I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna get better from like whatever this little cough. Cold is. Like, that I yeah, have. This, this, yeah, the cough from my cold that I never got over. Yeah, and so whatever it is of... they keep telling her is on the X-rays. It's like um, shadows. Oh yeah, benign, benign shadows. Benign shadows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that there's something to be said for um, you know a little bit of like it's mind over matter, psychosomatic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. response to like just not giving up. Yeah, and in a way, Nine Nine continuing to live reaffirms the well. This was a good lie, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it backs it up. She hasn't been miserable for the last six years. She's been living her life and doing things and whatnot. But going back to the like not hysterically crying at the end, right? If this were a melodrama, it would have ended with uh, or a tragedy. It would have ended with you know I don't know Aquafina throwing herself on her grandmother's coffin or some, <laughs> some shit like that, right? Which or, or I like do what love they, movies that end that way. Don't what they wrong, talk about but. where they like will hire professional criers to come yes, in because like if you're mourners. if you're not like crying it means that you didn't love the person at the funeral like Mm -hmm. one of those cultural things that they talk about with Chinese funerals yes Um, but anyhow the idea that the kind of real life outside of the film is so intertwined with the film because it's the director's it's, you know, it's personal such a deeply personal story and, and, and that just adds to the film so often that kind of extra textual information like the two stars are in love or having an affair or whatever kind of detracts from the movie here it actually I think enhances it and kind of adds an interesting twist because if she killed Nai off in the movie right and the real grandma <laughs> keeps living it also ends with Oh gosh, the oh, so we're in spoiler section. Yeah, yes. okay, yeah. Okay, that shot. That's when I started bawling. Was the shot of her where she's hugging her grandma. I'm getting a little goosebumps. She's hugging her grandma. She gets in the taxi. The family has like, well, who's sitting where? Do we really have to go yet? And all that kind of like family. Um, what's the word? Like uh, that really, really like deeply ingrained like how your family interacts with one another. Like, no, you go over here. They get in the car, and all she does is turn around to watch her grandma go. You know, and you're in the taxi cab in this tracking Just shot with her, with watching her grandma. Just waving Wave goodbye, it's like Bleh. yeah. That, that was where I started tearing up, and when I actually cried was like Aquafina's like back in New York, and she's on the street, and like she's walking down, and then she starts doing like ah! like when she starts doing the yelling, like her grandma was tra- teaching her to do. That was the part I was like oh. Okay. <laughs> and then it's a very odd ending, right? Like it, that. That's a surprise. It's not her funeral. It's not. It's yeah. A, a huge bawling moment. She's not crying, right? She's kind of remembering what her grandmother taught her, and that is the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that was um, so the birds that track yeah. throughout this movie. Yes. I I feel like it's maybe like a reference to like Eastern cinema. I feel like there's probably some like deeper meaning there like yeah but um, i just don't know like having like well because it's one of those things where it's like uh it gave me that feeling of um I, i'm sure you've watched plenty of anime mm-hmm. of um like when someone's like sipping something and they set the cup down and then it like cracks mm-hmm. it gave me like that type of like omen type of feeling uh and then at the end it kind of turns around because in, in the first two instances where it happens uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like this foreboding type of sense, uh, but then at the end of the movie when she does that like like that yeah, and she all, the birds, all the birds like just fly, fly out of the tree yeah. yeah it's it feels like it's turning that around mm-hmm. again I don't know like in depth like how uh, how much of a like deep cut reference that is to you know Chinese history mythology superstition or anything or Chinese like that. cinema or, yeah, I mean, yeah so it could be something that, that like that's symbology that I'm like not getting on a deeper level but I definitely in, thought with the way that it was portrayed in the movie even without having that yep. you still, still get this reads. sense of meaning <laughs> yeah. for it yeah yeah and that the first time it's the bird has come into her apartment when she realizes her grandma's dying and then it comes into her apartment again and well, then, the, then she's like, like there's a bird in her the hotel, hotel room, room yeah. yeah right and then at the end to have a whole tree full of birds just released right so rather than having this foreboding omen that it's this kind of joyous celebration of grandma yeah and her relationship with her grandma hence the waterworks like turn on the waterworks <laughs> exactly <laughs> yep 
Yeah, I definitely, uh, I cried at like multiple points in this movie. And it was mostly like, again, it was like pretty small moments. Like when they're all um, at the wedding and they're doing like that drinking game. They're doing the, oh, I love the drinking (laughs) game. And the poor like cousin who's the groom like just keeps losing and he's yeah. over and over again but then he loses his shit yeah. because he's drunk and like he's, he knows that grandma's dying and he can't say anything and the grandma's like oh what's the matter with you are you too drunk yeah and he's just like no it's because of you grandma <laughs> and again those moments everyone's been to a wedding where someone's been way too drunk especially the groom but it has this added layer of kind of the lie that's at the heart of it yeah and then like the the uncle gets up and gives the toast and he just starts bawling oh, giving his toast scene. yeah because oh. he's been the one who's most adamant we do not tell her this is how chinese culture is and then when he gets up to give his train wreck of a speech <laughs> yeah like it's the, so the, moving I you might as well yeah. have yeah. crickets in the scene yeah. like when he's giving at the end of his speech when like the whole hall has fallen completely silent yeah and and I love how you're talking about, like, he's the most adamant about being Chinese because he's the one who's moved to Japan. And, like, um, Billy's father is, like, talking about, like, identifying as being American, like mm-hmm. how he's, like, become American. And the uncle is like, well, even though I live in Japan, I'm still Chinese. Like, I'm still very Chinese. Like, yes. he, it's a point of pride for him to be Chinese. And they've costumed him with all of these, um, like the most stereotypical Japanese prince, <laughs> like like what's on like a calendar or something, <laughs> right? Like these like really cheese ball Japanese they're not they're beautiful patterns and beautiful um Arts, works of art but they're also like the most just like cliche cliche yeah. Japanese yeah. stuff saying he's still Chinese I love yeah. the scene um, where they're kind of needling each other over dinner um, over uh, like whether or not America is better than China and like why did you leave well you're sending like, your son oh, to you're, school you're still very Chinese but you're going to send your son to America to be educated exactly so, like, and yeah. that, that kind of like the kind of multi-generational cross-cultural kind of complexity playing out in interpersonal kind of jabs and and also going back to like that family atmosphere because like everyone can identify with that family thing of like oh the family and like we're needling each other about this or about that yep yep What's the scene in my notes? I have I know times ten. What is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wrote that down because it's like Wajira Dao, and like yes. she like says I, I heard it so many times, and I was like I'm pretty sure I butchered the pronunciation of it, but like that's like what she says like multiple times when her and her dad are like talking, they're like heading back to the hotel oh, for the yes. first time after she yes, just yes, arrived, yes. and he's like telling her like over and over again. She he's keeps like, saying I know, yeah, because well, because he's like you know you can't say anything to her, and she's like I know, I know, and he's like. Well, like, you know, you have to make sure that your face is, like, you know, good at all times. Like, I know, I know. And she's like, and then he, he'll repeat again. He'll be like, you can't say anything. Yeah. And she's like, I know. And eventually they stop translating the I know. Yeah. Because you're hearing that same word over and over yes. and over again to, like, now you're like, no, you get it. And it's the fact that they're not translating any, anymore is just driving home the repetitiveness. Like, yes. it, it's just a brilliant little piece of filmmaking in, like, in a non-verbal, not even non-verbal, but in a just driving home the point. Yes, yeah. just like the scene where the family is racing everywhere, and you don't need subtitles for that whole section, right? The choice do not subtitle something as yeah. the strength of the scene itself. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I really, that that scene in particular, it, again, the ways in which uh, family plays out, right? Um, the ways in which he, she speaks like phonetic Chinese but not very fluently the fact that everyone comments on that like oh you're, you're well, well people so also bad. will say like oh no your Chinese is great like when she's giving her speech and she says my Chinese isn't very good and like somebody in the crowd is like it's great keep going <laughs> <laughs> again that kind of multi-generational complex identity playing out through language playing out through how you relate to your cousins do we even see her talk to either of her other cousins there's a cousin who's getting married and then there's the younger cousin who's just on his own who's always on his exactly. like a little game like an yeah. electronic device yeah i think there's like maybe Bow, one like time he, he's where... the one who's going to be going to america to right. go to school but yeah i think maybe like there's like maybe one time where she's like says something to him in passing but but it's not yeah, uh, yeah but they never there's have, like, also yeah. like the scene where like the grandmother is telling her like when the wedding happens you have to be like have a smile on your face hello auntie hello auntie mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> And we get to that point and she really does. She like sees the grandmother's there and she's just like, okay, now I have to like really play it up and do a little Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like that. 
compositional strategy. Can I take it in a new direction here? Yes, yeah. please do. Uh, the compositional strategies they used in this, like the whole film begins on this kind of classic cheese ball nature painting, right? That's in the hospital. <laughs> it begins lounge. on something that's obviously a mural in a waiting room. Yes, or <laughs> yeah. a hotel or something like that. And it keeps re- and these cheesy depictions of nature keep reappearing right they're in the all the hotel rooms they're in people's houses they're there and i, I really like that the way in which they highlight the kind of hyper patterning of all of the wallpaper right that there's this kind of sense of everything looks bright and cheery but isn't and kind of plays against that like the 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 dad drunk in his hotel room right yeah. when he's just like totally passed out drunk and they're having this very the and the and the mother is like his... taking it is like getting him all situated and like taking off his pants and like putting him into bed while again this having this deep moments. conversation with her daughter <laughs> well meanwhile there's this like deer painting in the background right that this kind of odd juxtaposition of everything being happy and cheery and then not and then how they frame billy right so every time billy is in like when she really is thinking about her grandmother dying or that she's there's one part where she's leaning up against the wall in the subway and I was like oh god she must be really upset if she's touching the subway wall (laughs) (laughs) but they kind of frame her they pin the camera pins her against that wall there's a couple of other times where they're kind of pinning her to things and then when she has like big reveal moments they do this depth of field technique so she's kind of floating in space right so it's a really I, I, I saw it last night so I'd have to see it again to get really concrete about the exact moments but there's this really interesting kind of being trapped against something when they like in the waiting room for the um, hotel spa or the spa that they go to yes right yeah. they're kind of awkwardly sitting on this love seat together with this crazy <laughs> mural and wallpaper um, pinned and then move into the next and then, scene. And then the awkwardness of that scene where they're telling the father like, well, we have these options. Like, you, I would suggest for you a bath and massage. And he's like, well, can I see the tub? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, what am I getting into here? <laughs> but yeah, I think with the, the nature, like the artificial depictions, I think that that also does a really, uh, is a really interesting contrast to, again, these literally like walls of, of skyscrapers yeah yes. just like walls of these like buildings where like you know i look you know downtown denver and i'm like oh god this is crazy and then it's like you like <laughs> it's, seeing it's, that it's, it's absolutely like, nothing holy it's, shit it's, yeah. Like, yeah, a small city in yeah. china is like five million people <laughs> yeah and it's like, exactly yeah. like this is what happens like yeah when you're like like i was like yeah they know how to pack in a population because it's dense and it's high mm-hmm. and yeah, I feel like those those nature, those artificial scenes of nature are probably something that is like probably just as true to yes. what Chinese life is like when you're living in a place where like getting anywhere near nature is probably a pretty difficult thing to do mm-hmm. um, when cities are that dense and widely spread. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, this movie does a really good job of like highlighting those moments. Yes. Uh, and again, it all just feels like very true to the world that's being built which is our world so but it is still building a world like you do when you're when you're translating and adapting something to film you still have to build that world even if it is something even if it's set like in the, the real world, world. yeah yes. <laughs> but, but i love like to that point i i love the subtlety with which this movie kind of depicts like the difference of chinese life like when she goes into her hotel room and she's asking about like is there water that I can drink? And he says, oh, well, you can use this boiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just this little thing like you wouldn't even think of. Yeah. And like, it's kind of glossed over in like a little throwaway piece of dialogue that you're like, oh, yeah, you like have to boil your water. And him wanting to over talk with the American. Like, ooh, tell me more about America, right? <laughs> yeah, like, and him you're like, oh, Amer- isn't Amer- America has to be better than China. Like, tell me about America. Tell yeah. me about New York. Tell me about like, yeah. and there's a scene at dinner where they're like, how long in New- in America does it take you to make a million dollars? Yep. And they capture, the, going right to the world building that we're kind of talking about here, the, there's a moment when every time they walk on the streets, the family's like walking back to the hotel where they're staying. And they, both the actors, without even thinking about, wave at the same time to kind of walk, like push away the smell of a street vendor, right? <laughs> and they just, and they're doing it in unison and it's probably not even staged. They just both did it and they're said, oh, just, let's do it again. Yeah, exactly. right? They both had that immediate response to it. Um, I also loved how the, that, that grandma's history is hinted at but never fully articulated. Yeah, that oh, yeah. she was in the army? Yeah. Yes, that we see a photo of her above her bed, of she and her husband, that right? She, like, she got shot? 
that she yeah. was shot, that there was egg rationing at certain points, right? That we find all this stuff about grandma's history of being in, you know, of that generation in China without it ever being explicitly um, kind of reviewed. And I think in a melodrama, it would be the scene of Billy and grandma sit down and grandma <laughs> tells her her stories of woe from being in the war and the time she got shot. Nope, this is just treated as like, oh, you got shot, but you're fine now. Ha ha ha. Wait, what? Grandma got shot? <laughs> Where's that story? I'm going to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now you got a sequel. If you're listening, Lulu. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's do like a, a, a period piece about grandma in yeah. the war. Yeah. I would see that. I would see that too. I would see, uh, can Aquafina portray her young... Her, like, yes, Aquafina can play the young can, grandmother in the war. Can Aquafina be in every movie from now on? Like, I just want Aquafina in like a million more movies. She's coming to Marvels though. So like, do we... Th- Think Aquafina's get some recognition for this performance? Like she's coming. How? She's literally going to be in the MCU. Like, what is she playing? In she's going to be in the Shang Chi movie. I'm pretty sure. Oh. I'm pretty. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh. she totally younger going to be in the same. Yeah. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking like. <laughs> No one wants to know what I'm thinking right now. I mean, not, not to the, turn this into Amanda's picture show. Just got a little, little moist in <laughs> Not to turn this into Amanda's picture show, but do you think like there's going to be awards recognition for... Oh, Aquafina? okay. Sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I was like, I mean, she's getting banged. I'm, I'm I like, know, right? She's getting that Disney money. Like, <laughs> um, But yeah, I don't know. I think that... Um, I think Nine Eye 100%. Nine Eye like, should totally... Totally like, win every supporting, best supporting yeah. actress for the rest of time. Yeah, but, um, like, but yeah, I don't know. I think that she gives a really good performance. The movie is very well done, so um, it could be. I, I I never I never speculate on these things because no. I just never I don't know enough because, about. Like, I know it's, it's one of those what, things like, like I don't know enough about the politics. I mean, because I mean that's the thing is like yeah I would have never thought. I mean I. What I think should and what usually does, does are two are very different things. Let's not talk about Green Book. Guys. Let's. <laughs> but, but again, like the awards are political, right? And exactly. And so uh, she will probably be nominated for a lot of things and may or may not win. Yeah. Right. I hope she is, but at the same time, and like awards to me are totally meaningless. I mean, it's nice when you win them, but at the same time, you also have to recognize that it's political and also can be total bullshit sometimes yeah. it's deserved. it can be deserved and politically bullshit yeah right? it can be both things at the same time that's why i don't put a ton of stock yeah i mean just awards for art in general are just kind of one of those it's things where i'm kind like, of a, eh, a silly prospect fine. because art is totally subjective yeah <laughs> i mean sure like yeah whatever you know yeah, yeah we could do a whole that could be a, a whole episode we could do about the fucked upness of awards slash <laughs> what do they really mean but they are meaningful and they have political power and I hope she wins them and yay, good for her. Yeah. yeah. But um, as long but as it allows her least, to do the project she wants to do. Yeah, I was like, at the very least, like, yeah. She's getting other things. I, and I think, honestly, that's more of, I feel like, a metric for success. Like, these days, I don't think, I mean, yeah, I'm not, like, the Academy Awards are, you know, the fucking Hollywood Super Bowl or whatever. But at the same time, I definitely think that, um, less so than in the past like people are given like better and greater chances as a result of like winning awards yeah uh, well uh, not not even they don't have to win awards to get those chances all of the time anymore yeah. like I, I think that's something where there's with again this time where we live in where there are a lot more people again it could be a whole hell of a lot better of like a lot more people getting the chance to tell their stories again I think we're at a time where now we can hopefully see more of those people getting that next chance to tell those stories Mm -hmm. because a lot of times it's like oh well if that one person does this like one amazing thing and then the next thing that they does they do is like all right or like not completely stellar like the as the first thing that they release then a lot of times they are in the past they've not really been looked at very much anymore so i think that we're getting there's a lot more of people who don't necessarily have to be like absolutely like mind-shatteringly brilliant to have successful careers uh i mean i I want to say like the most obvious would be like jordan peele Mm -hmm. where get out was like hit on every level of like being like an amazing like horror movie that like succinctly like 
like satirize this like mm-hmm. political uh, realm and also, you know, did it in a way that was like cinematically like gorgeous and astounding. And Us is like still a very good movie, but also doesn't hit all of those points and isn't trying to hit all those points. Yeah. And so this one of those things where it's like, yeah, not everything has to be like the most high minded heady thing. It's like some people can just like now we have I hope I hope we live in a world where more people can get the chance to be like, oh, I just want to have fun on this film. I just yes. want to make this film <laughs> because or I, like, I'm passionate about it because we, I would love to do it instead of like it having to be constantly just like uh, again, and something for like back to Harriet Tubman where they're talking about like oh it's funny how many dark skinned people they can find for a movie about slavery like every time it's like when it's just like a fun you know type of like movie it's like if there's going to be a black person in it and it's going to be a woman she's usually going to be light skinned because that's what like the determination for attractiveness is but like I want more of that like oh yeah these people just get to be in roles that they love to do for movies that they enjoy doing and not have to be like trauma porn for like you know black people in particular like it doesn't have to be like i'm living out this like caricature of like a of a pre-existing time that you know exonerates white people of racism (laughs) well that's how the movie's gonna end well i I, I thought we solved racism yeah (laughs) the green book the movies told me that we solved racism i mean so yeah But, but lulu wang i was reading an interview where she was kind of really hitting on what you're hitting on there craig in in terms of that it begins like pre-title card a lulu wang film and she talked about the choice for that that normally she would never do that it's kind of more ascribed to kind of a like auteur type of cinema that's inherited from french new wave that then think of like a quentin that six quentin tarantino the film, sixth which film by quentin yeah, tarantino which yeah. he stole from goddard but whatever but it's it's this kind of wait arrogance. wait sorry are you saying the tarantino is derivative <laughs> I've never heard anyone say I know, right? I mean, uh, I've never. Okay, let's, I don't want to bother talking about him. Anyhow, but then, but then it's. <laughs> oh, you're still going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. Okay. Anyway, so that um, uh, there's a kind of arrogance to it, right? And so she didn't want to have her title, let you know, have her um, director's credit. Uh, presented that way but then as she was talking to producers and other people they were like look this actually is important right as a chinese american woman making this film and that it became this huge international success that it has meaning and it packs it will give her more opportunities it will give the film more opportunities it will hopefully give women and chinese and asian american women asian women particularly right right, more power and so it even talking about like how you put your own name on the film is caught up in this how do you have access afterwards yeah i mean it's actually kind of deserved to say like a lulu wang film because it's such a deeply personal and real story like it's it's her story yeah so she's like out of any film i ever make okay this is the one i can put this on because this (laughs) is her life and to get back to like what craig was saying about like opportunity and everything like i'm hoping that this like opens the door for lulu wang to like make lots of other things like that lulu wang can like go off of this and make like a rom-com or something like just make something that's totally different yeah Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Do you have any more notes? or I, I've just got some Kevin Bacon and some stats. All right. Let's get into it. Okay. So um, Aquafina is in Ocean's 8 with Elliot Gould, who is in MASH with Donald Sutherland, who's in Animal House with Kevin Bacon. Yay! Um, this movie has an 8.2 on IMDb. It has a 90 on Metacritic. It has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. There are three negative reviews. Um, I, I didn't really read them, but I did look through like all 220-something reviews to see how many, and there are three negative <laughs> reviews. Um, and it has an 87% audience tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. The speak the truth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the farewell, a beautiful story of family and home. <laughs> I feel like a weird and all the complexities that that yeah. entails. All yeah. of the fun stuff. All right. Well, when we come back, we're gonna have recommendations for you, and then I guess we'll be gone. Just be then, then we're going to take a little farewell. break. Guys, we're going to be back. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. We're going to yeah. be back. We'll be here for you. And we're back. Back with recommendations. 
We've got a lot of recommendations. Well, I don't know. How many recommendations do we have? Do we have a lot of recommendations? Uh, we have, do you have one? one I, I have one. <laughs> then, then you go first. <laughs> <The standard laughs> number of recommendations. Like I was having trouble standard. thinking of something to recommend, so I just decided I will recommend something that I found when I was on a YouTube rabbit hole uh, yesterday. Um, <laughs> I found something that was like, uh, you can search YouTube for like the doctor's panel, but it's a panel of all the actors who played the doctors on various Star Trek shows. Oh, um, so it's fun. got like Gates McFadden, it's got the guy who played Bashir, it's got like, but yeah. like, uh, DeForest Kelly is obviously not there, but like from Next Gen through Enterprise, all of the doctors from the ships, and nice. they do a panel where they just talk about like their experiences on their various shows and being a doctor and like their interactions with fans and how like so many fans have come up to them and been like you inspired me to become a doctor or like you inspired me to go into science or to go into yep. all this stuff. It's a really fun and interesting and heartwarming panel with all these people. And I will say that Gates McFadden being now a I don't know, maybe 60 something year old woman is still as beautiful as she was when she was on Star Trek The Next Generation. Very nice. Nice, nice. Uh, I'll go next? Sure. Okay, so uh, if you like this movie, you might like Aquafina, so you should definitely watch her uh, videos like My Vag if you haven't already <laughs> seen it um, because it's amazing. I would also recommend her YouTube videos with her her real life grandma that she does a lot um, kind of either interviewing her or kind of like them puttering around together and they're just as lovely um, as what happens within the movie The Farewell itself right oh, that kind of relationship um, if you like this movie I think you might like The Wedding Banquet um, from the early 90s by Ang Lee this might sound familiar in terms of there's a big lie in the middle of this movie <laughs> so uh, a question of is it a good lie uh, so uh, a, a a gay couple in the 90s live in New York. Um, one is American and white, and the other is Taiwanese. Uh, and through a bunch of machinations, they decide to, that the Taiwanese um, lover is going to marry a Taiwanese woman who's an artist and doesn't ever want to get married to appease their Taiwanese traditional parents, who then decide to throw them a giant wedding banquet um, and Things happen. Is it a good lie? Is it not? Uh, it's really a beautiful movie, and it was made ten years before *Brokeback Mountain*. Like long, like this was already kind of a thematic in his work. And there's a beautiful scene between the father, very traditional um, Taiwanese father, and his son's quote-unquote roommate that have that they've been living with for for months. It's really a beautiful film. I think you like it. Okay. Um, I would also recommend in the order of um as we were saying i only i didn't cry as much as i thought i was going to so um this is uh, like uh not i would say i can only watch this movie every 10 years or so because it's so like emotionally wrenching to watch as a drama not as a melodrama it's called ali fear eats the soul so if by the title alone you might be able to figure out that this is a really um uh, a heart-wrenching movie um, by Rainier Werner Fassbender, not to be confused with Michael Fassbender from the mid-70s. Um, and it stars, um, it's about a Turkish man who's in his, I think, late 20s, early 30s, who falls in love with a white German woman in West Germany in the 70s. And all of the isms that they then encounter, the ageism, the sexism, the racism. Um, and then also similar to The Farewell, there's a kind of parallel story, a real-life story. So the director... Fassbender, he himself was gay, and this Turkish actor was his lover, um, and his lover committed suicide shortly after the end of the shooting of this film, right? And that that kind of then brought Fassbender's potential death. Um, so there's also kind of a kind of homophobia component in there as well. It's really, really, really devastating, and does a, rather than using kind of wallpaper, they as a compositional strategy it's constantly doorways door frames everyone no one is ever in the same room at the same time right <laughs> everyone's kind of slightly displaced or just around the corner and it's really a wonderful film but like that one is like oh, be prepared for two days of not feeling right oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like when you watch Requiem for a Dream or something. When you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to feel okay for a while. No, this one, you're, you don't feel, again, I can only watch it every 10 years. Oh, Grave <laughs> so. of the Fireflies. Grave, it is Grave of the Fireflies level sadness. Uh, yes, it is that level of heart-wrenching. Yep. Uh, we should do that. Did, have we done that on the oh, podcast? I teach that to my undergrads. And when I, I say... Do you like, watch that movie like once a year then? 
I, I haven't taught a huge animation class in a long time, As, thankfully, because I, I tell them, bring your hankies. You know, like, we, it's like we, a... <laughs> we've talked about this off mic, but I have not seen that many Studio Ghibli movies, and like I that's one of the ones I haven't seen. Oh. I... I show it back-to-back with Totoro, because they were developed at the same time. Okay. And so it's like... Also just like... Like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the last time I saw My Neighbor Totoro, uh, uh, at the Alamo mm-hmm. last summer... And I was like weeping the whole time because yes. I was just like, oh my God, the beauty and innocence of childhood. It's just like the wonder and, and the, the so splendor of nature. And then yeah. so to the children. There'll never be a time in my life when I feel that innocent or happy again. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Have you heard the fan theory about Totoro? The fan theory? Oh, that it's what the mom that... Is it the mom? Oh, so this is a huge spoiler, so pause for 30 seconds. It, there's an alternate reading of Totoro, which is that, um, that it's the mom is the only one who survived. That's, yeah. Yes, and that yeah. the kids and the father are actually dead. And, and re- again, watching it that way, like when I remember I had a student tell me that, I was like, <laughs> 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 Just get out. Get out. Get out. But we should do great for the fireflies. Is what I'm saying. I I know. I was saying because I don't. I don't know. Oh, it's gonna be hard to watch again. Yeah, no, it's really hard. I I tell my students because you know, like it's bring your hankies, right? And they don't believe me. And then I actually had one student who um, was a very good student who I'd had before, and he was. Should I not go on a tangent right now? (laughs) Whatever. I'll I'll tell it quickly. So I see him, and he's on his laptop during the movie. I'm like, oh my god, like what the fuck? And so I go back, and I'm like, so and so, you know, and I had him before. He's a good student. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I've seen it before. I'm like, oh, I move into professor mode. Well, it's really best to see movies multiple times. And he goes, oh, he's like, I watched it again last night. I just don't want to cry in front of all these people. Yeah. And I was like, okay, good, okay, (laughs) all right. I, I understand that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yep. Craig, Craig, recommendations. Yeah, just a terrible movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I will recommend um, Agents of Atlas, um, since we're talking about, um, yeah, Asian people and particularly East Asians. Um, the Agents of Atlas is a international team of superheroes with East Asian origin. Um, it is from Marvel, currently written by Greg Pak. Um, they just had like they revamped the team during the War of the Realms um, summer series, which was on, which was uh, just happening all summer for Marvel, um, and they just started a new series with the team. Uh, we've got like Silk, Braun, Shang Chi, who's getting a movie, yeah, yeah, oh. uh, Luna Snow, Crescent, Swordmaster, Arrow, and Wave, uh, and I think that. I know that Swordmaster, Arrow, and I think Wave all have their own solo series going at the moment right now. Um, but yeah, they're a badass team. And uh, if you may know, like uh, Bron, I think used to be the Immortal Hulk, uh, Amadeus Cho, uh, and Cindy Moon is kind of like Spider Powers. Um, and yeah, uh, if you're looking for uh, some awesome comics that also happen to feature East Asian characters written by people who are East of East Asian heritage. That's a good place to go. Yes, <laughs> um, so yeah, since we're yeah, talking about those opportunities, um, these are things that by supporting, you can help people have more of those opportunities. And on that note, you should follow us online and give us the opportunity to entertain you further. Um, we are on Twitter at IWITWT, on Instagram at that same handle. We have a website that called IWITWT.com. We are uh, on your Stitchers, your Podbeans, your... Your uh, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. We've got you on... Uh, Spotify. Did I say that one already? We've got you on SoundCloud. We've got you in all the places that you listen to podcasts. So if that's where you are, you should like and subscribe. If there is a rate and review feature, you should give us five stars and let us know why we're so awesome. And if you would like to recommend a movie, uh, since we'll be taking a little break here, we will probably have some time to do some little extra things here if people are recommending things to us. So this is a great chance. If there's anything that you really want us to watch and that you want to hear us talk about, let us know. You can hit up the DMs on Twitter. 
that's where we'll be at. All right. And I am online individually at Catharticus. I am at Cullen Munch. Cullen, uh, sorry, Tara. You you're not him. Cullen. Not, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have a lot more hair. Yeah. So yeah, that is us, and we will be back after a little break here. Keep us in your thoughts, and we'll keep you in ours. Until farewell. next time, farewell. Farewell. Maybe I'll learn how to play D&D today <laughs> to avoid doing my work. <laughs> Do you play D&D? What's the you verb? You play D&D. Yeah. Uh, you do D and D. You do it. Just do you it. just inhabit it. You and <laughs> yeah, with Hatsune Miku, that was the whole thing. Is what's the verb? And so, yeah. uh, did I talk about this already? Um, so when Miku first kind of became more popular in with uh, Japanese uh, uh, peas producers, and it was really a very small niche thing there was a big fight over what verb to use. And so some people said to tame, like to tame a voice, the way you tame a, an animal, right? Yeah. And then it ended up being to tune a voice, right? So that, and, yeah. I, I like that better than to tame. Exactly, <laughs> to yeah. Tame, no, yeah. Particularly in reference to a woman, like to, like exactly. to tame. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Again, not a woman. It's not a woman. She's, Janet. She's, oh. Janet. I'm not a woman. I'm not a woman. Exactly. Oh, God, yes. I love that oh. show. Not a woman. And not a robot. Not a robot. <laughs>